Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Time once again for instant analysis on the Bama Online Podcast, this time following the Alabama Crimson Tide's 34-0 win over the FCS Austin P. Governors. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, back with you on the podcast. It was a groggy Alabama Crimson Tide to open Saturday's game. Brunch with Bama. Haven't really seen that all that much this season. I guess the Texas game in Austin certainly qualified for that designation, but What we'll do is we'll go through five predictions from Friday that we had for you on the website. We'll include some positional thoughts into it as well. We'll also take a look ahead, a sneak peek ahead at next Saturday's Iron Bowl set for Tuscaloosa and really the SEC in general. Another surprising afternoon in the Southeastern Conference, at least on one front. So we'll get into all that coming up a little bit later as well. First, though, Prediction number one on Friday for Alabama Austin P. For the first time since the Texas A&M game on October the 8th, Alabama will rush for more than 200 yards. In its previous four games, the Alabama run game had produced 388 yards on 124 carries. That's 97 yards per game. That's 3.1 yards per per carry. So if I told you going into that four-game stretch – of Tennessee and Mississippi State was a it was about as bad as it got, and Alabama actually won that game. Uh, then LSU and then Ole Miss. If I told you before that stretch, here's what Alabama's going to do on the ground, and they're going to go two and two in the process. You probably wouldn't have been all that surprised. And then you come out of the Ole Miss game, you got Jameer Gibbs dealing with an ankle injury, so we did not see him on Saturday against Austin P. Instead. It was more the Jace McClellan show. After 19 carries in Oxford last Saturday, Jace gets 17 more in his latest outing, and he turns those into 156 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. You also saw some of Jamarian Miller, the true freshman, late, but between Jace McClellan and Miller, what you saw was Roydell Williams and some Trey Sanders. Good to see Trey Sanders back in the mix there at the running back position. And of Alabama's six runs in the game, and this has been sort of hand-in-hand with the run game struggles because they have been such a home run or strikeout run game. Without the explosive plays of late, you've seen the numbers dwindle on the ground. Well, got some improvement in that area on Saturday against an FCS opponent. We're going to take that into account, obviously, but of the six runs of 10 yards or more from Alabama running backs against Austin P, Jace McClellan had five of those in the game. Williams did have a reception of 15 yards, so in a game in which Alabama didn't exactly light up the chunk plays 
column where the passing attack is concerned, Roydell Williams did have one of those. And if you like run-pass balance, at least on paper, against an inferior opponent, Alabama runs for 263 yards uh, in the game and passed for 264. So a one-yard differential in surpassing 520 total yards in the game. Now, as for what all that means in terms of balance for this offense, looking ahead to next week's game against the Auburn Tigers, I don't think anyone knows for sure, but it was good to see. It was good to see on a Saturday in late November, at least. Prediction number two from Friday, for just the third time this season, a Crimson Tide defensive back will intercept a pass. I stuck with the bit. You got to give me some respect. You got to give me some props for that because this was a prediction I made a week ago for the Ole Miss game. And of course, Alabama had opportunities to pick off Jackson Dart. Hell, even a wide receiver threw a pass for Ole Miss against this Alabama defense last week. And the Crimson Tide wasn't able to come up with a pick. But it got two, not one, but two. Kool-Aid McKinstry got things going with his interception there in the first half. Another great performance from Brian Branch at the star position. Uh, continues to be a force. Most physical Alabama defender right now. I'll go ahead and say it. Brian Branch. And he plays the slot corner. So, you know, that kind of tells you maybe where the inconsistencies have been for the Alabama defense. But I was actually concerned during the second half Saturday while he was still out there that, you know, he might get hit with a targeting call. And to think about next week's first half without Brian Branch, it's not all that appealing, is it? To think about the Alabama defense without Brian Branch uh, out there on that side of the football. But Branch had an interception. That was Brian Branch's first interception in nearly two years. His last interception, his true freshman season at Arkansas, remember that was a COVID year. So Alabama was in Fayetteville actually in December because everything had been pushed back. Uh, But good to see Brian sort of break that drought. Uh, It was also a drought for Kool-Aid McKinstry. You know, his first and only interception prior to Saturday for Alabama was against another FCS opponent. Last season early on against the Bears of Mercer, McKinstry had a pick in his first start for the Crimson Tide. But you get him from Branch and Kool-Aid McKinstry on Saturday. Had some opportunities at the linebacker level too, didn't you? Will Anderson, man, he played that screen exceptionally well there in the second quarter. They try to cut him. He withstands that, and he has one kind of similar to what he had earlier in the year on the pick six that he had, an opportunity maybe to house one. And speaking of an opportunity to house one, they don't come any any better. They don't come any more teed up than what Deontay Lawson had there in the fourth quarter. Good to see Deontay working with a guy like Sean Murphy there late, too. You know, they were trying some different tandems. It took a little while, took a little while, didn't it, to get to some of the backups? Um, but Deontay, uh, with an opportunity, would have been his first interception and probably his first touchdown. I know it looks like there's no way he doesn't score on that play, but you never know. You know, blades of grass, you've got snipers up in the light stands. It seems like sometimes when defensive guys have that chance to get in the end zone. But yeah, Deontay, a former 
offensive player on the high school level and you saw some of the anticipation that you really like from him on that play. So there were silver linings even in that particular instance because you're thinking about Deontay Lawson in the future as the guy at inside linebacker on an every down basis and it starts with well it starts with playing the run but it goes hand in hand these days with being able to play in coverage. A couple other highlights one other highlight for Alabama you had Brian Branch with the pass breakup of a deep ball there early in the third quarter as well. One of the few lowlights really uh, and I give Austin P some credit. They obviously did their homework. I don't know how much you have to do with as much as we've seen from that Tennessee-Alabama game last month, but the 32-yard completion for Austin P on that second and 25 play in the second quarter. You had gotten a face mask call against Austin P on second down, so it's second and 25, and they still hit the switch release up the sideline against zone coverage uh, with Terry and Arnold uh, kind of helping out there in, in, in DeMarco Helms in coverage as well. Prediction number three from Friday for the third time this season, Bryce Young will not pass for 200 yards. And that prediction is made with the thought being, you know, maybe Bryce plays a series or two into the third quarter, and then you get into Jalen Milrow and probably some Ty Simpson as well. But there he was in the fourth quarter. Uh Bryce Young still in the football game there in the fourth quarter. And look, you know, we can debate whether or not he should have been in the game. My thinking is even at 27 to nothing, you're safe and getting him out at that point against a team like Austin P, a very game team, maybe an FCS playoff team. I like their juice. I like their energy, man. They did not back up an inch against Alabama. Uh, I think that speaks to their program. I think in some ways it speaks to how Alabama is perceived this season, right? It doesn't seem like too many of these opponents, even those that are getting big checks to show up in Tuscaloosa, at least initially, aren't showing much in the way of back down. Now, look, we can talk about Alabama in games like this this season, especially at Bryant-Denny Stadium. They have absolutely decimated people. That's why I went with a 52-6 to score. Because whatever struggles Alabama's had, with an emphasis on a really tough road schedule, and I think down the road we are going to look back at this road schedule and say, man, this team went to, they went to Texas, they went to Arkansas, they went to LSU, they went to Tennessee, you know, these are some, some tough football games, at least they were this season. And Texas, it's hard to tell week to week, man. I can't tell with Texas. That last check today, they were absolutely bombing a Kansas team that beat Texas in Austin last year. Sark and the Longhorns, after falling to TCU last week, were on the road today just hammering KU on the road. So I, I can't figure out. There's a lot of teams in college football I can't figure out. You know, Alabama this year is hard to figure out in a lot of ways. But typically, you can set your watch by Nick Saban, Alabama teams. But this year, I think it's pretty indicative of about 95% of college football. You saw Michigan earlier today with a serious injury to Corum at the running back position. Perhaps, anyway. We'll see. Hopefully not. But uh, just check Michigan out for more on that. TCU needed a game winner at the Horn to beat Kansas State. That was a hell of a finish. Running the kicker on there with no timeouts, and he just drills it from 40. So kudos to that young man. But kind of speaks to college football in general this year. But as far as Bryce Young on Saturday, yeah, he's still out there. And I know Nick Saban, after the game, talked about it being more from a 
developmental perspective. And I think what he was speaking to primarily, I don't think he understood that maybe the thought was, you know, you've got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out there in the fourth quarter against an FCS opponent, and you're up 27 points. Now he comes out, it's 34 to nothing. But um, Nick's point was more towards starters other than Bryce staying in the game uh, with the offensive line out there for a series with Jalen Milrow, who caps that series with an interception. And then you do get Ty Simpson involved as well. I thought Ty, and look, don't make too much of these. And I, I get it. I see what you see. I see a lot of the same things. I don't get granular in how I break things down all the time, but understand, I see a lot of what you see. I see Jalen throwing another interception and a really bad decision, a late decision, a decision in which he was baited by an FCS cornerback or an FCS defensive back on the play. That can't happen. I get it. I understand it. Jalen also had a couple of nice balls before that. So there was some good to go along with the egregious, which you absolutely cannot do if you're going to play quarterback at Alabama or really anywhere for that matter. Turn the ball over at a rate like he has when he's had the opportunity uh, here in these last couple of outings. So that was not good. Ty Simpson was. And I thought as much as anything, if I was going to draw anything from those two guys playing in the game on Saturday, it was we actually saw them get to access more of the playbook than you typically see with Alabama backup quarterbacks in that situation. Usually it's just come in, hand the ball off. Um, You know, if it's questionable, even in red zone or situations like that, fourth and six, even they're going to run the ball. Well, they let Milrow and Simpson throw it a little bit anyway. And I think that, again, I think that does speak to the ongoing evaluation in relation to the upcoming successor, we all believe that's going to be the case in 2023 for Bryce Young. So Bryce ends the day by completing, what was it? Gosh, 18 of 24 passes for 221 and two touchdowns. At the end of it, you were just happy for all parties that he got through it healthy or as healthy as he is anyway, because there continues to be some throws and some situations where Um, you're not sure he either trusts himself physically and or he doesn't entirely trust this new wave of wide receivers. It was good to see Treshawn Holden, by the way, sort of reappear. And not only as a pass catcher, I thought Treshawn on one of Jermaine Burton's touchdown receptions, uh, the one that Jalen kind of just slung out there to the right uh, perimeter, uh, Treshawn had a nice block there. So it was good to see Treshawn resurface. It was good to see Jermaine Burton, even against an FCS opponent, have that kind of game that you expected from Jermaine Burton. You know, he had a two-touchdown game in the season opener against Utah State. This was his second multi-touchdown game of the season. He had gone those nine games in between uh, without multi-touchdown games. But he goes seven for one, what was it, 128? And just about all that came with Bryce in the game. And that was kind of stat line you would have expected more of. And maybe it's a good sign for what's to come next week against Auburn. And speaking of Auburn, because of those seven sacks down on the Plains a year ago of Bryce Young, you're you're concerned about the ankle situation for Tyler Steen, who left the game in the second quarter. After the game, really Nick Saban and talking about Jameer Gibbs, talking about Cameron Latou, talking about Eli Ricks. 
um, talking about Tyler Steen. Um, the 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 prevailing thought was in listening to him anyway listening to Nick Saban, was that those guys have a chance. And and probably all of them have a really good chance of being available for Auburn next week. But I'll give a I'll give Amari Kite some some kudos. He did, it was solid. You know, I mean, he wasn't Tony Baselli. They're in a Tony Baselli on this team, for crying out loud. But uh, Amari Kite, good for you. Solid in Steen's place there for a little more. I guess it came out to about two quarters because we did see – the next offensive line finally enter the game there late in the fourth quarter. Pretty pretty interesting to see Elijah Pritchett, the true freshman at left tackle. That dude looks the part. As Tim Watts would say, he's rocked up. Uh, Elijah Pritchett as a true freshman looks pretty good physically. Now we'll see. Um, you know, and you, you kind of went uh, Terrence Ferguson there at guard, uh, Bowles at center. Um Gosh, you had Jaden Roberts at right guard, I believe it was. And what about Tommy Brockermeyer in there at right tackle? I saw Tommy with a pancake on a run by Jamarian Miller there in the fourth quarter. So, you know, that's kind of what it was at quarterback on Saturday in a game in which you anticipated seeing even more of guys like Milrow and Simpson. But it was pretty limited with Young staying in the game for the better part of three and a quarter quarters uh prediction number four on friday at BamaOnline.com for alabama austin p for the first time since the texas a&m game on october the 8th you notice this theme here with the run game the ua defense will not give up a rushing touchdown uh you know by alabama standards for sure you know you look at again relative to alabama defenses ineffectiveness against the run game over that four-game span that we've talked about tonight on the podcast. And after giving up just four rushing touchdowns in its first six games, the Alabama defense had allowed seven in the four that followed. So, you know, one of those offenses was Mississippi State, too, when you take that into account. And even the Bulldogs had a rushing touchdown. Uh, Alabama had given up 182 yards or more and two rushing scores apiece to Tennessee, LSU, and Ole Miss. I uh, gave up about the same to Arkansas in a win, so it was able to sort of survive that stat um, a month and a half ago or so uh, against an Austin P offensive line that came in. You know, Austin P's left tackle weighed 252, uh, the, the anticipated starter at left tackle anyway. So, uh, and it really, it, Alabama early, it wasn't just the Alabama defense. Uh, boy, the adventures for the Alabama punt return team, they just never cease, do they? Just special teams in general. I mean, you got another muff punt on a ball that's short and Kool-Aid's trying to direct traffic. You know, no fault of really Kendrick Law. He's just trying to get down and do his thing, but the ball goes off of him and, you know, Austin P gets an extra possession and a short field is in, a, um, in association with that. And, you know, it looks like, if there was going to be a rushing touchdown in this game, it was going to come off of that possession because shortly thereafter, Austin Pease got first and goal at the Alabama eight. couple of runs, balls at the two, third and goal at the two. And, uh, you know, it was there that Jaheim Otis and Tim Smith just blew up uh, that opportunity with the quarterback run from AP Mike Delello. Uh, the quarterback was dropped for a loss of a yard by Otis and Tim Smith. And, you know, ultimately, Austin P. 
finished the game with 59 rushing yards. Of that total, 44 in the first half. So Alabama defensively kind of had to get its legs under it a little bit as well. Austin P did not have a run of more than eight yards in the game. Um, again, thinking ahead to Auburn, was it the kind of performance that you know will have Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and Robbie Ashford thinking, oh man, we're not going to be able to run the one? No. I mean, that's what Auburn does anyway. For Auburn to have any chance next Saturday, it has to run the football effectively. But it's also going to have to have some semblance of a passing game. Because even if Cadillac Williams takes a few carries for himself, comes off the sideline and runs it a few times, uh, Alabama's going to be able to throw pretty much everything at the run game unless Ashford and that really limited core of receivers that he's got to work with are able to make some plays. Again, I picked the game 52-6 to Alabama. Sleepy, lethargic, road-weary, it was. All those things, Alabama, in the first half. It didn't look like an Alabama team. You know, sometimes in these games you get the sense, man, this team's looking ahead to the Iron Bowl. Uh, No, this team looked like it was looking ahead to a break of some kind. And it was better in the second half. Um, But, again, the question with this team is – can it do more than just what is required? Because that's essentially what it did against Austin P. And there's there, there's there's reasons for that. Again, this isn't the first Nick Saban coached Alabama team that has slogged its way through a win against a vastly inferior opponent. Um, look, 2011, we don't get shit through a tin horn from Nick Saban. If an FCS team, Georgia Southern, doesn't run for more than 300 yards against that Alabama defense. You know, I know we've got the revisionary history historians when it comes to Alabama football. And nowadays you would be led to believe that that 2011 defense, there's no way they could have given up 300 plus to a then FCS program. A very good one too. A very competitive FCS program in Georgia Southern. But it happened. I saw it. It, it did happen. And, and now we have the, the hilarious uh, Tin Horn game from Saban. That's our gift that keeps giving, it seems like, on a uh, daily basis. But even with that 2011 team, you still knew when it came time, if it got the opportunity and it needed some help in 2011 after that loss in Tuscaloosa to LSU, if it did get another opportunity, you weren't going to be worried about, well, you know, which Alabama team are we going to get, you know, Is this Alabama team going to go above and beyond? You knew that 2011 team would do that if given the opportunity, and that's the way it played out. Now, I will say this. It feels like the performance at Ole Miss, because of what we saw for the most part on Saturday, it's like no one remembers that. I mean, for two and a half quarters to finish that game, that was a lot more like the Alabama football you, I, anyone who's watched Alabama football with any type of emphasis over the last 30 or 40 years or even the last 20 years has grown to expect. Now, again, there are reasons for trust issues. I think when I think of trust issues with this team, I think of Bryce and himself sometimes. Maybe it's related to his health. Maybe it's because of limited practice opportunities with a young group of receivers. Maybe it's because there are still instances where he sees zone, his wide receivers running a man or out, and because he is a true freshman, he doesn't know to hook it behind the umpire there in the middle of the field 
and sit in the hole and take the 10-yard gain. Instead, he keeps running right through the zone and essentially covers himself. Some of that happens. Now, there are some things that we see from Bryce, like the deep ball early to Ja'Cory Brooks, that make you think, I just don't know if he's really all the way back. And where you get a little confused with that is that his first game back against Tennessee threw for over 450 yards. Um, and it looked good in doing it. So it's just things that don't add up uh, throughout this season. Uh, there are stretches. There are bits and pieces. Um, but the, the sum has not been as great of the, as the parts. And I understand, look, everybody will say it in unison. But Travis, this team has lost two games on the last play of two games. I I hear you. I hear you. My counter to that is that, and, and, and that's understanding, this is understanding that every team is different. Those were both games where truly elite Alabama teams would have closed out Tennessee and would have closed out LSU. And again, I said it earlier, I think I agree. When we look back down the road and we think about this road schedule, we're going to be like, you know, that team actually did okay. Um given the the opponents i think that's going to be the narrative further down the road the further we get away from this just like everything else you know in some ways we look at guys like bryce young this year and say well not having that great of a year same thing for will anderson i think though what we're going to realize is that for what was needed of them on this particular team they've probably done about as well as they could statistically and certainly in bryce's case uh, with the injury at Arkansas right there, right there in the middle of the season. So those were your five predictions revisited. Uh, they are also outlined on the website right now at BamaOnline.com. Uh, if you would rather read them, that's fine too. Uh, we got great coverage, by the way. Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, recruiting side with Tim Watts and Hank South. So great. So good at what they do, and we certainly hope you'll check that out as well. I'm sure you're checking out the SEC, and I need to check it out myself right now. I need to get up to speed. I need to see what's going on. Auburn was ahead of Western Kentucky at last check. Oh, that game is now tied up early in the third quarter, 17-17 at the half. Look, Western Kentucky's a solid group of five now. Hilltoppers, they didn't come down just for a check. Seven and four, five and two in CUSA. So, hey, if you're Alabama, you're not hating Auburn, perhaps in a four quarter war against a uh, Western Kentucky team. Georgia kind of doing what Georgia does, it seems like, most weeks. Uh, 16 to six. And that's sort of retro Bama, right? It's 16 to six, but it, it probably feels more like, um, you know, 28 to six to Kentucky right now, even though it's just a 10 point game there. Uh, in the fourth quarter with 6.55 to go. Uh, Tennessee and South Carolina tonight kind of tells you what kind of slate it is, not only in the SEC, but college football in general when you got Herb Street and Fowler doing Tennessee at South Carolina. Uh, Ole Miss at Arkansas. That's actually the game that will have my attention more so than Tennessee-South Carolina simply because I'm expecting a more competitive game between the Rebels and the Hogs. Might be a tad chilly out in Fayetteville tonight. Also tonight, New Mexico State at Missouri. Missouri, one of those teams battling for bowl eligibility right now, really needs a win over the visiting Aggies to get to five. And then it could come down to, talk about Arkansas, Arkansas loses tonight to Ole Miss. 
the Razorbacks would be five and six, which means Mizzou and Arkansas would meet next week, both at five and six, and with bowl eligibility on the line. Also, late night, boy, how filthy, how crazy is this going to be? Eight central kickoff at Death Valley with UAB visiting uh, the Tigers of LSU. Oof. Those folks, man, they've had all day. That could be pretty sloppy. Could be pretty sloppy there in Red Stick for the Blazers and LSU. So there you go. That's going to do it for the latest installment of Instant Analysis on the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Schreier thanking you once again. Again, check us out at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us on the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Bama fans around the globe. That's right, the Roundtable at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, by the way, we certainly hope you'll do so. Simple as a click or two. Wherever you consume podcasts, you're going to find us. And if you would leave us a rating and a review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Travis Ryer, once again, thanking you. And until next time, so long, everybody. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.